Hour of Devastation is a fan-supported, listener-supported podcast, supported by people just like you. If you like what you hear and want to show your support, head over to patreon.com slash hour of devastation. A pledge to start from as little as one dollar. Thanks. Welcome to Hour of Devastation, a weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neil. Hiya. How are you doing this week, Sam? Uh, I'm not too bad. Good. I'm having an okay week. I'm not sure we have time for pleasantries. <laughs> I was going to say, have you had an okay week or have you had an oko week? Oh, good one. <laughs> was that like four seconds in <laughs> to, to the recording we mentioned okay? Yeah, I feel like we're going to talk about them a fair bit this week, though. Uh, y- yeah, you have to, right? You Absolutely. Um, yeah, played a bit of Magic, played some Modern, played some Legacy, played some Commander. It's all good fun. And it all sort of pales in comparison to the rest of the stuff we're going to be discussing today, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I Yeah, I have played a little bit on Arena. I did a Pioneer winner box at the weekend. Sweet. That, How did that go? Was, oh, just, just horrendously. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, I went 1-2-2. Uh, two, two. Wow. Yeah. That's an upsetting result. <laughs> it Yeah, it just it felt really bad. Uh I don't know. The least said, the better. I think, to be honest, I think I think the deck I played was fine. I think I think I probably I might run back a sideboard a little differently, but yeah, the least said, the better. I think. Sure. Okay. <laughs> cool. Was it even worth bringing up at all? <laughs> uh, just to document that I played an event, I guess. But... <laughs> I think we're both just like we really want to talk about this BNR announcement that we've just Absolutely, had, but yeah. we also sort of feel obligated to fill the time with some like pleasantries i guess <laughs> um i yeah sure this week has passed it's been fine uh i guess should we just move on to the main topic because it's let's go for it it's gonna let's take a go while for it. cool so we've had a banner restricted announcement today we have and a lot of things happened <laughs> yeah <laughs> a lot of things happened and i don't think anyone was expecting quite this amount of stuff yeah definitely not so before we get into it i would like to address that the the takes that we both locked in yeah <laughs> ahead of today's announcement we both locked in some takes uh yours were that uh the cards getting banned in standard would be oko yeah, uh, Pioneer would be filled with dead, but we haven't had Pioneer yet, and we probably won't we get it. As a time of recording, no. We should also mention what happened last week, since we didn't um, get time to do it. Like yeah. in last week's episode, we'll get to that in a minute. So yes, yours standard Oko, Pioneer, Field of a Dead, Vintage Narset, and no other changes in any other format. Yeah, and I said standard, no changes. <laughs> <laughs> Pioneer Smuggler's Copter again. We don't know that yet. Uh, modern, no changes. Legacy Renin Six and Vintage Restrict Oko. Yeah. So, I mean, to, to be fair, I also did say that I was looking those in and not locking them in. Yeah, you did. You did. That's right. You said look, looking them in. Um, <laughs> I also then, briefly after that, said I wouldn't be surprised if Fairless one got banned in standard. Yeah. Um, and then we were kind of right and kind of wrong, and then a lot of yeah. other stuff happened. So I guess we'll break this down format by format in a minute, but should we just go through the entire ban list just to get it out there, and then we can discuss it more in detail? Absolutely. Cool. So, uh, as of November the 18th, 2019, the um, the following cards are banned in standard. Uh, Oko, Thief of Crowns, Once Upon a Time, and Veil of Summer. Yes. <laughs> Oko, Thief of Crowns is also banned in Brawl. 
following yep. from its ban About in time. the following from its ban in Arena Brawl. We won't spend any time on that. I think that's a good ban. It seemed like an egregious card to be playing against in Brawl and no one was having any fun. Yeah, definitely. So I totally agree there. Um Legacy, Ren and Six is banned. Yeah. Yep. Got some thoughts about that, which yep. I guess we'll, we'll get into. I also definitely have some thoughts. And Vintage, Narset Partravails is restricted. Yes. Yeah, so if, so if we get in the tally, so standard, you got one of them right. Yep. And my kind of like, oh, I think Vela's Merb might get banned, I wouldn't be surprised if it did, was kind of right. Yeah, Pioneer, I'll let you have that. <laughs> thank you. Uh, Pioneer, we don't know. Modern, no changes, we both got that right. Yeah, uh, legacy. You said no changes. I did. I said Ren and Six. So yeah, I'm looking smart. Uh, <laughs> vintage. I said restrict Oko, which now sounds incredibly stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and vintage. You said ban Narset as opposed to restrict. No, I just said I just said Narset. You just said Narset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like sure. Not- Card other than like dexterity and conspiracy and uh, you know silver bordered cards and Shaharazad cards don't get banned in vintage. You know this. Yeah, uh, sure. All right, but you didn't say specifically restricted. So, and I did. I made that distinction. So, well, I mean, cards can't really be banned in vintage. So I, I didn't feel the need to make that. Yes, they can. That distinction. There are cards that are banned in vintage. There are, yeah, there, there are, are lots just of cards. Listed, and Nossa is cards. definitely not a de- dexterity card. Yeah, that's true. It's a lack of dexterity card because your opponents don't have any cards in hand. Yeah. <laughs> you can't use manual dexterity when you're just twiddling your hands. Yeah, sure. Maybe it is a dexterity card because you have to very quickly remind your opponent that they can only draw one card multiple <laughs> cards per turn. <laughs> Slap the cards out of their hand. <laughs> it's a dexterity card in the fact that you have to physically assault your opponent. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right then, so that's, that's all of them all laid out there. So I guess... Where do you want to start? Oh, let's get him out of the way. Oh yeah, okay. Oko's finally dead in standard, and I, I, I think we're all we're all just thrilled. Yeah, I don't know. I think thrill is an interesting word because I think everyone was just like, "Well, this is going to happen." Yeah. So that when it actually comes, it's just sort of like relief rather than excitement. Yeah, I think relief was was the word that I was going to use then then as well. I think. Uh, yeah, we all. I don't. I don't know. I don't want to say we all knew it was coming because you can. You can look at the data and you can see that this is something that should definitely happen. One hundred percent. This this needs to happen. Yeah. But still, it's you know it's the exciting chase mythic in the set that has been out for just over a month at this point. <laughs> uh, so I think it was. I really do think it was reasonable to think that they wouldn't ban Oko, they would ban something else instead. Given that, you know, they want people to buy Throne of Eldraine still. But, you know, looking at it from a purely gameplay perspective, Oko 100% needed to be banned. So I, I think relief is definitely the right word because everybody wanted it to be to be banned. Yeah, I think there was some legitimate reasoning for it not to get banned. In terms of like the community discussing it, rather than reasons it should, I, I don't think there was any reason that was good enough for it to not get banned. Yeah, but I think there were some events and some things that might have led to it not getting banned, like you said, just it being sort of essentially the face of the set, yeah. being a chase mythic, the fact that they were they printed T-shirts with Oko's face on it, the arena event, it was like Oko constructed or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, an email that they sent round to arena players saying, "Look how cool Oko is. Oko is so fun to play." Yeah, that was that was a very very strange email to receive. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, look how fun and, and versatile this card is. You can do anything with Oko. 
except play it in your constructed decks, I guess. Yeah. You can still play it on Arena. Uh, yeah, no Arena is banned currently. You can't play it in... You can play it in Arena. You can, no, you absolutely can. No, it's effective of today. No, 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 Historic is a format. Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> you can play... You can play them once a week on the second Thursday of every other month or whenever Historic actually counts on Arena. Yeah, I think that, you know, there are some reasons, but I'm really glad to see that they, that, you know, Wizards didn't let any of that stop them from actually banning it. Yeah, definitely. And it just doesn't, it just doesn't matter. And like, you know, that that's the thing, it's just when, when the entire community is saying, we need to ban this card, it's egregious, please stop, then I think you have to listen to that regardless of the, and I, I said this a couple of weeks ago, um, I can't remember exactly when it was, but talking about people that are getting hurt by this ban knew what they were getting into. Um, yeah. New players who have the Chase Mythic band, they, they don't care because they didn't own Oko's. Um, I mean, this card's still playable in you know, every other format. Yeah, it's it it doesn't. So, like newer and casual players that just play, you know, like cards I own dot deck doesn't matter because they're still mm-hmm. just going to play with cards I own. Absolutely. Um, obviously, we still don't know about Pioneer specifically, but yeah. it's still playable there and in Modern and Legacy and Vintage. So it's still got a value. Obviously, it's crashed. But it's still a reasonable. You, you still open it, and it covers the price of a pack. So yeah, from absolutely. that from that consideration, it's absolutely fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, just go back and listen to the last month's worth of podcast, and just <laughs> to hear <laughs> random fragments of how we feel about this card. Just look at Twitter, like Twitter or Reddit, like any time within the past like I don't know, forty days or whatever. <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> yeah, that yeah. card. He won't be missed. He will not be missed at all. Absolutely not. I will say. I am surprised it's not also banned in modern. That card is incredibly powerful in that format also. Yeah. And it makes the Urza deck too good. I think the Urza decks were nearly too good. Yeah. And then just the addition of Oko and the build that uh, the Lotus Box team came up with just pushed it over the edge. And that, that card is the reason that that deck is so dominant and so good right now. It's also just very good elsewhere as well. Like I, I played yeah. I played um I played three copies in my Infect so I bought it FNM and it just straight up won me a game. Just like playing against a, a deadly control opponent, just turning all the, like making food and turning things into elks, and then just like swinging for fifteen. It's like it's just very, very good elsewhere. Yeah, definitely. It's just just any any deck in any format that the card is legal in. If you can play blue and green, you should probably play at least one copy of Oko throughout your seventy five. Even if you're playing burn, apparently. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> I mean, just play four city of brass, four mana confluence, and an Oko in your sideboard. Yeah. That does not seem worth it at all. No, I I don't think that deck is a good deck or a real deck. It was five owed. <laughs> yeah, but you know. Yeah. And anyway, let's continue with our talk about standard. Yeah. Uh, I mean, is there anything else you want to say about Oko that hasn't already been said a thousand times over? Nah, it's good riddance. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm really excited to see where the format goes from here, um, especially in conjunction with the other bands that sort of take green down a peg as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to see what people can play. I mean, there might just be another thing that's that's busted, but... Um, yeah, it's a fairy time, Raveler, looking at you. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like I've been saying for a few weeks now, Like I think like Oko needed to be banned in Standard, but I think they should probably just do some sort of preemptive ban and ban to fairy time, Raveler, along with it as well. Hmm. Yeah, possibly. Like There are certainly like other strategies that are, are very good and very good against a fairy, but... Teferi is probably the next card that everybody's going to be shouting to ban. I don't know. I think standards of the format is least least annoying. In I feel like mo- most decks are just trying to play at sorcery speed and don't really care that much about it. Um, and the probably. other abilities, the other abilities are reasonable in that case. If you if you're not yeah. 
held back by its um, by its static ability. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I'm excited to see Royal Scions maybe get a look in now because it's a Planeswalker maybe. from that set that no one really thought about. It's still very powerful. It's just it was nowhere near as good as Oko, and probably still isn't as good as Teferi, but yeah. I mean, it, it's all right in Pioneer. It's been showed up with some uh, is it Phoenix decks. Yeah, I suppose we don't have that kind of stuff in standard, though, right? You don't, you don't have the, the the looting doesn't have that that much power, I guess. In yeah, in standard as opposed to Pioneer, where you're like bidding phoenixes and and stuff. Yeah, fiery tempers and yeah, fuel and dig through times and treasure cruises. Yep, absolutely. So if that's if that's all all we've got to say about Oko, yep, we'll move on to Once Upon a Time. Yeah, just <laughs> feel like a very reasonable ban, also. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I feel like this, this is this is one of those cards. Like, I guess the next card we'll talk about as well. Like, yep. uh, I, I kind of wish it was just never printed. Yep, I believe somewhere, um, someone from R and D said that it was meant to be in Modern Horizons. Yeah, and then got I pushed pushed into Throne, which. Yeah based on what the card does and, and how prevalent it is in eternal formats also just like free spells are never are never necessary ever yeah um and then also it's just a reasonable card to be casting for two mana at instant speed yeah definitely um it's already supplanted itself as a modern staple it's showing up in um it's a pioneer staple also i also wouldn't be surprised if that got banned today in the pioneer update whenever that happens yeah it's i mean playable in legacy it's just an incredibly stupid card. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like free spells are are always a problem at some point, and yeah, this one you could tell right away. Yeah, like it was as soon as like the the Frank Carson article came came up where he was like, "Oh yeah, you can just play a playset of Once Upon a Time and then just play two less lands in your deck." Yeah, it's like I think because I'm playing I'm playing an infected one as well, and it's just like yeah. if I keep a hand without a land. It's just like I'm eight percent to miss, and it's like, well, I'm I'm taking those odds. Yeah. That seems perfectly fine. Yeah, couple, like, couple that with the London Mulligan as Absolutely, well. It just, yeah. it just seems stupid. Just yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like, you get to Mulligan, so you get to do an improved Mulligan, which is. I mean, there's been a lot of conversation about that as well, like the London Mulligan specifically, yeah. and about how kind of problematic that might be. But when you couple that with the with once upon a time, and you just get to like unmulligan yourself because you just get to find something. Yeah, uh, it's just. It's an obnoxious card. And I mean, I wasn't expecting it to get banned this time. I think yeah. I, I was kind of expecting get rid of Oko, see how the format sells. Yeah, same. But I think it was probably going to get hit at some point. Yeah, definitely. So now I should, sure, that seems fine. I'm, I'm perfectly happy with once time, once upon a time being banned. I think there's other formats it should probably go in as well. It's just so good. And if you're playing green, you should just be playing four of them. Yeah. I think... And like, no, I agree, definitely. You see the same thing in modern, where it's just like in Amulet Titan as well, because it finds basically every card in that deck that isn't, yeah. that isn't an amulet, and it just like being able to find utility lands as well, as well as just like finding your land for turn or your land for, um, or your like a creature to cast or anything like that. The card's just too good. It was always yeah. too good. I think I would have quite liked it if it had been in Modern Horizons. It's just kind of like if they if they kept it exactly the same. Mm-hmm. like the same art and stuff and still call it like once upon a time and have it as kind of like a like a throw forward to Eldraine with obviously modern horizon is meant to be like a like the time spiral future site style kind of set i think that that would have been quite cool yeah that would have been cool i agree but as it exists then you know in, in this timeline it's just just an annoying card <laughs> <laughs> it really is it just feels like every time you like 
every time I cast it, I just feel like I'm cheating. And that I think that's the, the, the point. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad that we <laughs> can finally stop having the, oh, you should cast your once upon a time in your opponent's upkeep. Oh no, you should cast it after your first draw step argument. I'm glad that's gone from standard now. <laughs> from standard at least, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, did I tell the story about how I nearly lost a game? On... No, you did not. Oh, man. Yeah, I nearly lost a game of, of Modern on turn zero. Nice. <laughs> so um, it's game two against blue-white control, and I know my opponent's playing force of negation. Yeah. So I keep a six, which is... So I'm playing, I'm playing in fact, obviously. <laughs> it's the only modern deck I play. Um, and I keep a six, which has like uh, a noble hierarch and two infect threats and like a protection spell and two pump spells. Um, no land and a once upon a time. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm 8% to miss on a land. This is gas. If I, if I get to find the land, I think I just win this game. It's fine. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, my, I know my opponent has force of negation, so I'm going to cast it in the end step of their turn one. So they go island, and my end step, cast this once upon a time for free, because I need to find my land. Uh, if I cast it in my main phase, they're able to force negation it for free, and then I think I just lose the game from there if I don't draw a land. Yeah. I'm like, end step, it's big brain time. I'm really smart, I'm going to do this now, because I'm playing around cards I know are in my opponent's deck. And then it resolves, and I find like a Wood Foothills or whatever, and I continue to play the game. And looking at the, the top five with a once upon a time, I find that the, the first land is like four cards down. So yeah. I'm like, wow, if this hadn't resolved, I would definitely have just lost the game on the spot, because <laughs> there's no way I'm catching up. Wow. Yeah, which is part of the problem with a card, right? <laughs> it's just oh, yeah. you can just keep hands like that and then just find a land that's five cards down that you wouldn't have drawn otherwise. Um, yeah, so we kick play the game, and then I eventually go. I go on, go on to win the game, whatever. But on like turn two, I cast a blighted agent, and yeah. my opponent spell snares it. I'm like, oh, that's unfortunate. And he goes, "Yeah, it was in my opening hand." I was like, "Uh oh." <laughs> <laughs> so he could have cast it because he played an island and in his end step I went once upon a time and he could have just yeah. spell snared at that point Ooh. and I wouldn't have found a land for like three turns and yeah. I just would have lost the game on the spot Wow! but because you're casting it for free it just like you just sort of I guess forget that it's a two mana spell that you can count with spell snare yeah <laughs> I was like oh my god I need to lost the game on the spot that's amazing so it would have been legitimately correct because I could have assumed my opponent was playing spell snare and that it would still be in their deck post board because it counters once upon a time blighted agent like, Blighted yeah. Agent's the card they, they want to get rid of. I should have cast it in their upkeep of their turn one. <laughs> like, I, they're on the play. <laughs> I go, in your upkeep, before we started the game, <laughs> cast this once upon a time, because I need it to not get countered. Nice. But I mean, most of the time it's just correct to cast it in your main phase of your turn one, so you yeah. can get at least some information from your opponent and the top card of your deck and whatever. I just, I just, those, those conversations just do my head in sometimes, I think. And <laughs> I'm glad it's gone from standard, at least. Yep. Sweet. So, speaking of cards that are gone from standard, Veil of Summer is also banned in standard. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank God. This card was as much of a mistake as Oko was. Yeah, I fully agree. It's, it's like, so stupid. Uh, I, I don't know. I see like so many, so many cards compared to this card, and I think the one that that just feels the most correct is like this is just the green cryptic command. It's just a one mana cryptic command. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is obviously not reasonable. Because yeah. Cryptic Command is really, really good, and it costs one blue, blue, blue. This costs a single green. And also it might just kill off your opponent's plays for the rest of the turn. Because if they, like, try and, um... Like, like in those formats, if they try and, like, remove your thing or counter your spell, and you respond with a Summit, they then can't target your stuff with a blue or black spell for the rest of that turn as well. Yeah. So you might have just stopped them playing spells for an entire... You've basically time-walked. Yeah, yeah, for one green mana. <laughs> <laughs> just, just ridiculous. I think the, the fact that this was banned in Pioneer... I guess this is a reasonable time to talk about it as well, because we didn't get a chance to talk about it last week. Yeah, for sure. The fact that this was banned in Pioneer was just, like, kind of writing on the wall for getting banned in Standard. 
Yeah, definitely. Because it's just it, it was just so stupid. It just it just feels like you can't lose. Because I, I obviously played this card um, in Legacy and in in Modern, and I was playing it in Pioneer for the one week that I could <laughs> when yeah. I built my deck, and then it got banned. Um, it just it just you you just feel so powerful. You pass the turn with a single green up and a veil of summer in your hand against the blue or black opponent. You're just like I just feel like I can't lose. Yeah, it just feels yeah, that just, powerful. Like the amount of decks in Pioneer that are playing four copies of Thoughtseize. Mm-hmm. You're on the play, you go, all right, play a green land, go, and they go, all right, Thoughtseize, and you go, no, Veil of Summer, you can't target me, and I draw a card. Yep, it doesn't even cost a card. It's a zero for one. Yeah. <laughs> it's what it is. And you've protected your information, and your opponent like, maybe kept that hand based on the fact they have a Thoughtseize, so they could disrupt you. And just nothing happens. Yeah. <laughs> in Pioneer specifically, one of the most egregious things was seeing someone play like an expansion explosion for, for 16 yeah. to kill her opponent and then just go Veil of Summer? <laughs> and just counter the like the 20 mana spell for one mana. So do stuff like that. Yeah. I As, as somebody who plays Ad Nauseum Tendrils and Legacy I know all about Veil of Summer. <laughs> <laughs> you played it as well. Because right? I played because I played two in my sideboard. <laughs> just like it, it's made like Thunderstorm or a Dundon card. Yeah, Thunderstorm's just pointless now. Yeah. Why would you play it? Especially between between this and also uh, Mystical Dispute, yeah. which again is another incredibly pushed card that is seeing a lot of eternal play from a recent standard set. But yeah, Veil of Summer, it's just like, it, it just felt, it just feels like you can't lose the game when, that, when you have that card in your hand. Yeah. Um, because either they put something into play that doesn't really affect your game plan, or they get blown out by the Veil, which is just incredibly silly. And like, this is the thing with, with like, all these being green cards. So the combination of Oko and Once Upon a Time and Veil of Summer in the same deck, just green was just so so far ahead because it had just the win condition that you could cast on turn two with a goose. Then yeah. um, a card that allows you to find your cards for zero mana or for two mana instant speed, which is still a good mode. And then it just had like <laughs> just a one mana cryptic command all <laughs> in the same deck. And it's just like, it just. This thing, like Veil of Summer was just as much a mistake as Oko, absolutely. Yeah. Because o- Oko was incredibly silly and just dominated the format, but that was also helped out by the fact that Veil of Summer existed. And every, every deck in the Mythic Championship pretty much was playing Veil of Summer somewhere. Yeah. Um, when you have a card like that, that's just so so powerful and also so ubiquitous in the format, it just has to go. Yeah, well, it was it was day two of the um, the arena mythic qualifying weekend. Ninety percent of decks in day two were playing Veil of Summer. It's just it's just far too efficient. Um, I do enjoy the the little for the, the little article that um, Ian Duke has posted on the, the Wizards website to accompany this ban, like com- yeah. com- comparing Veil of Summer to Autumn's Veil and Display of Dominance. Yeah, it's like. Sure, technically it, it might do the same things as those cards do, but that's not a fair comparison. Like we we've instantly compared it to Cryptic Command in Time Four. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're a more reasonable comparison than like cards which it might just kind of be sort of based on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the thing because it's 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 essentially a rip of Autumn's Veil, right? That's the yeah. that's the joke. But Autumn's Veil says like it has the same line that spells you control can't be countered by blue and black spells this turn, right? Yeah, which is which is the same thing, and then it says and creatures you control can't be this target of blue or black spells. Yeah, Venus well, says permanence for some reason, just like including your lands, so just nothing bad can happen to you. You you also gain hexproof, so it just it, immediately that's just a much better card than Autumn's Veil. And you draw a and card. Then you randomly draw a card. Also, <laughs> yeah. I just like it's also just like a single green cantrip sometimes. Yeah, if you're playing like a combo deck and your opponent's tapped out and they've like cast a black spell, like cycle this, I guess, try and kill you. Yeah, yeah. Like if if it's like the opponent, they're like, oh, uh, I'll cast opt. You're like, all right, sure. Like cycle this 
bail us on my draw card. And then just try and find like the, the card that kills you. <laughs> like, yeah. So stupid. And yeah, the comparison to display of dominance is just a big joke. So like, yeah, cool, it's a green instant that mentions blue or black cards, like sure. <laughs> it's 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 a green hate card for blue and black, but it's not remotely the same kind of card. No. There's, 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 like, it's not even in the same ballpark. In any, in any kind of way. Display of Dominance was barely playable in Standard. Venus <laughs> is a multi-format all-star and has just needs to be banned in a lot of those formats. So, yeah. Um, it's a shame because I really like Venom Summer as a card. It, it, it's, it fully encompasses that type of card where uh, it just annoys me because I wish, I wish it had never been printed mm-hmm. and now they can't unprint it. I mean... Again, if it was in Modern Horizons, yeah, I think even then, if it was in Modern Horizons, it would still, it'd still be frustrating for Legacy. It's just like what if what if Red Elemental Blast had a draw a card on it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, because yeah, I mean, I know, I and mean, I guess the blasts also act as vindicates. Yeah, but like, because uh, I've been playing Red Elemental Blast and Veil of Summer in my sideboard in Legacy, and both times they feel exactly the same role. Like they do exactly the same thing when I want them to. Yeah. But Veil of Summer feels better somehow. Because it can also counter the Thoughtseas or the Fatal Push or the Abrupt Decay or the Assassin's Trophy. Or... Yeah. I guess it's just Green Elemental Blast, isn't it? It's just Green Elemental Blast, but on crack somehow, because you also, yeah. you <laughs> also draw a card. Um, I mean, it can't blow up a Trino Nemesis, I guess. <laughs> it's one of the downsides, but it's just it's just so... But if they cast one, you can draw a card. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, but yeah, I just... This, uh, this card was a huge mistake. Agreed. And this thing, with Oko, it's like, I understand what they were going for, but they pushed it too far. Veil of Summer is like, what were you thinking? Like, how did you possibly think this would be a reasonable card anywhere? Who knows? In what way is this reasonable? Just like, I, because I love it, because I, that green finally gets like a card that protects their stuff and, and, you know, means you have the ability to fight a counter war or like, protect your creatures and, and, you know, don't just like, lose to cards your opponent might have. But then they made it way too good. And now it's gone, thankfully. Yep, and we'll have to wait and see if it gets banned anywhere else, you know? Sweet. So next up, we have Renin 6 is banned in Legacy. This is a more a more difficult one, I think. I think this is very reasonable. I was very recently coming around to the fact that I think Renin 6 should have been banned in Legacy. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't feel that way like two weeks ago. I, I think this is another one of those ones where if you look entirely at statistics and data and take everything else out of the context, then... Yeah, it absolutely make made sense for Renin Six to be banned here. It was completely kind of warping the meta game as much as you can warp a, a legacy meta game uh, to the point where like Tima Delver decks were just just everywhere. Uh, it had they said like the Tima Delver deck had like a fifty six point five percent win rate, and it had over three times as many five nil finishes as the next deck, and was favourable against uh, each of the the other ten most played deck in the format. I think Renin 6 is a very reasonable card if you're not allowed to play it with Delver of Secrets. Quite probably, yeah. I think in every other deck it was very, very good, but no other deck leveraged it the way that Team Delver did, or the Four Color Delver deck did. Yeah. And I think like there was there were a lot of problems with this card and it was seen I mean there was a time where it was just seeing play everywhere, like people playing in miracles and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Because it was just that that powerful and you know, able to fix your mana and just be a turn two play. That just felt like it just card advantage plus fixing plus I get back this wasteland plus ping off your thing plus like sure but like in every other deck where it was just like returning fetch lands every turn and like occasionally pinging off uh, a one toughness creature and occasionally getting back a wasteland I think it was fine I really liked it in Maverick yeah it just felt like a missing piece of that deck where ramming up excavator was a little bit too mediocre 
yeah, just yeah. playing like just playing the land every turn, um, and you sort of wanted like the, the utility of being able to like get rid of a, a dark confidant or an opposing mother of runes or anything like that was was very good for the deck. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think it was fine in the deck. I don't think it was broken in the deck at all. But when you compare it with team, like when you put it with team of Delver, it's just far far too good, far too powerful. Yeah, yeah. I know. I I think I, I think I fully agree there. I I do think it is a really cool, interesting card. But yeah, if you look at like I said, look at like the look at the stats and data alone, and it was pretty obvious that it had to go. I think for me, the thing that I disagree with is is the timing of this ban. Uh, I think I thought it had another month to go, probably. Yeah, I. So I, I think it, it was quite clear that the card is a problem needed to go, but. We have, you know, I think this is the last legacy GP of the year coming up uh, at the end of the month. So it's in like it's about about a week and a half, I guess. I guess just under two weeks until the uh, the last legacy GP of the year. And I think shaking up the the format so much before then is it's just going to really really feel bad for a lot of players. Given that it's one of the most popular decks in the format. And Legacy is not a cheap format, and it's not very easy to switch decks. I think it's going to cause a lot of problems as as far as card prices and card availability goes for a lot of players. I still think Tina Delver is quite good without running six. Yeah, I, I agree. Especially with the inclusion of Oko, which a lot of the decks are adopting anyway. Yeah. Uh, I think most Legacy players have access to the cards that they need. I don't think you're going to pivot that far. Yeah, like you, you can still play like Delta variants for sure, but I, I know there, there is definitely a non-zero amount of players that recently bought Ren and Sixes so they can play Ren and Six in, in the GP. Like I, I, I've spoken to more than one yeah. <laughs> today, uh, and yeah, I, you look at like the other things, like look at like, like Oko survived that banning where everybody knew Oko was going to be played in the Mythic Championship. Uh, Hogak survived multiple bannings where everybody knew Hogak was the best deck. Why not just just let let Ren and Six have this have this GP and then ban it next time when there isn't there isn't a big tournament like fairly close to your announcement. Yeah, the last big Legacy GP sort of probably ever. <laughs> yeah, def- yeah, quite possibly. And you know, it, it's it's a similar thing to if you look at like the. Last ban restriction announcement, they said that they weren't all like I guess the one for the emergency, uh, quote unquote, emergency banning that they had for for um, Field of the Dead. Uh, they said obviously they'd be looking at all formats, but they weren't going to touch anything in vintage because they didn't want to you know mix anything up too much before Eternal Weekend. So it just would have been nice to see that that same sort of, I guess courtesy applied to Legacy here. Yeah, I agree, and it's not like they banned something that was seeing sort of fringe play that was just very powerful it's just like the yeah. format just was running six by this point yeah definitely and I, I i fully understand the the reasons for it and it did have to go but i i think they could have at least you know waited a month yeah i think it feels very very bad for a lot of people yeah i think it, especially given like given the complete lack of love that legacies that legacies had like i don't want to be one of those like oh legacy is dead legacy is dying people because because i i don't believe that like i you know, I, I'm actively actively promoting legacy in my local area. We have a legacy meetup once a month that's growing, and you know, I 
yeah, you can see Star City have dropped Legacy from their their tour, but I've never played in a Star City Star City Legacy event. We had this discussion last week, no? We did, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't want to be one of those people, but it this just kind of feels like one more one more kick to Legacy while it's down. Yeah, it feels really bad. But on the flip side, I'm very excited to see how the format shakes out now that this is gone. Yeah, definitely. I think the format gets a lot more interesting. Like from a from a purely selfish standpoint, uh, I think it kind of sucks because Storm has a decent matchup against Team Delva, and like them tapping out on turn two to play Revenant Six is absolutely fantastic. So I'm going to miss the best Storm card that was printed in 2019. <laughs> sure. But I, I, th- I think it made sense. I just I just wish they'd given it a month just for the the courtesy of everybody who plays Magic's greatest format. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, selfishly as well, like I own Renin Sixes currently and yeah. have acquired some very expensive, well, not very expensive relative to other Magic cards, but some expensive Jewel Lands in order to play Renin Six. And now I just have no use for those cards. And it's good. That kind of sucks. And I feel like I sort of, I was getting close to perfecting my build of Maverick with Renin Six and it felt very, very yeah. good. And it felt like the best Maverick could possibly be at yeah. the current time. I know I don't get to do that anymore, and I probably have to go buy Stonefort Mystics again, which feels <laughs> very bad. Maybe. I mean, you could always just play Oko. He's going to be a bit cheaper now, right? Yeah, I agree. Uh, maybe that was a consideration anyway, like playing like some, some geese along with my... Along with Modo Baharaks and playing some Okos seems very, very good, but also Tropical Islands haven't gotten cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And I don't think I can trade Tagers one-for-one one with Tropical Islands. Actually, yet. no, that is not true. Tropical Islands have gotten cheaper. Yeah, not a, constri- not a reasonable enough amount. Like, <laughs> yeah, but also the cards I'd be trading into them have gotten cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> like my running Sixes and Tagers have also gotten cheaper in the same way. So I don't think I can trade Tagers on a plateau one-for-one for... Um, for drops, and I'd also have to get Misty Islands back, Misty, Misty Rainforest back again, which yeah. I got rid of because I didn't need them. Because I was like, I'm going to play Naya in Legacy. I don't need the Misty Rainforest anymore. I can just have my Wooded Foothills. Yeah, and those Misty Rainforests definitely are not cheaper. Nope. So that feels really bad. Um, I can just not play the Tundra, I guess, but that would also feel very, very bad. Yeah. So I'm just sort of at a loss now. I guess I, I guess I just have to play Green White Maverick again, which is fine. I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you'll do great with. Whatever you settle on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to just sort of try and re- rebuild the deck again. Yeah. And see where I, see where I land. But I was going to be putting work into the deck, absolutely. But yeah, this kind of sucks for me. But yeah, I think, I mean, there's so many more cards that are now playable again, right? Yeah. <laughs> my brewery ruins. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very excited to put that card back in my deck. It has been so bad for so long. <laughs> just completely unplayable. And I mean, even Giver of Ruins is like a bit of a mopey card by comparison. So I'm excited yeah. to... Some number of Mother of Runes, some number of Giver of Runes, they become playable again. Thalia feels a lot less embarrassing now. Yeah. Nova Harak just feels a lot better than it was. <laughs> like, it was just, I think it was just strictly worse to be playing Nova Harak than um, over Mox Diamond recently, yeah. just because you didn't, like, you just couldn't guarantee that your Nova Harak was going to make it. So that's nice. I mean, Plague Engineer is still a card, and that's still going to get me a lot, but. I'm excited to pick, like, dust off my Mother of Runes that I haven't played in Legacy for, I mean, however long <laughs> Modern Horizons has been out, pretty much. Nice. Yeah, so I think it's a good thing. Uh, I look forward to Death and Taxes and Elves being probably more playable now. Yeah. Though, again, Plague Engineer is very, very bad for Elves. Yeah, but, you know, again, from a totally selfish viewpoint, more people should play Elves. <laughs> elves is so fun. <laughs> I, I played it for a while. So bad against against Dante. It's great. It's so it's just bad. I just think it's yeah. quite bad. No, there was a time where it was like one of the best decks in the format, and then I, I legitimately think that the Deathrite Shaman Band just killed that deck off. 
Yeah. Because, like, plan A for elves most of the time, the secret plan A for elves most of the time is beat down with these one and two power creatures and activate this death rock shaman every turn to yeah. drain you for two. Like, that was the way that you, you won with elves so often <laughs> without your creator hoof behemoth or your glimpse of nature combo. So I think the death rock shaman ban just made that deck so bad. And then you print Ronin 6 and Plague Engineer, it just becomes completely like stone unplayable, essentially. Yeah. There's a potential for it to come back, I guess, but... We'll see. We'll see. So I think, yeah, Ronin 6 is, like, being banned is great. I, I feel good about it. Yeah, like I say, I, I feel, in, in the long run, good, but in the short run, a little bit frustrated that they've done it now. Wished for the, the sake of the masses that they'd, uh, they'd given it a month. And our last ban for today, I mean, as the time of recording... Uh, is Narset Barter Avails is restricted in vintage. I think this one's entirely you. Yeah, it's it's about time. It's been a long time coming. Uh, I, th- I think going back to them, not wanting to make too many changes before Eternal Weekend, uh, I think that's why it hadn't been banned before now. Uh, it's it's just a card that in any blue deck, which is you know 90%, 99% of decks in, in vintage, you can play four Narsets if you want to. It just contributes to one-sided games in a degree that's far more healthy than, than you'd ever want it. Um, yeah, you've got like so many, you know, like Time Twister, Wheel of Fortune, or so many wheel effects. Uh, and having four copies of Narset just leads to so many non-games. And it's it's not a very fun card to play against. No, it's really not. In no. In basically every format, it's no fun. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's yeah, it's, just, it's been a long time coming, and I think everybody in the vintage community is, is happy that it's it's gone. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised that it wasn't hit in the first round of Planeswalker restrictions, like along with Khan or whatever. Yeah, yeah, same. That seemed kind of wild to me, especially when the format is sort of based around how good Ancestral Recall is. Yeah, definitely. Since we just get to turn off one of the main reasons to play vintage. Yeah, I mean, this this seems good. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's great. I don't think anybody has, has any complaints about it. It feels like it's been a long time coming, and it's yeah, it's just nice, just the the cherry on top of the cake. Excellent. So I mean, or the, the chalk on top of the cheese. Oh my god! <laughs> please, please never revive that analogy. It was truly awful. But I mean, what I mean, what card can you play four of in vintage now? Island. Great. Do you do you even play four islands? I mean, you have you play four cards with the. The basic land type island. Sure. I meant not of cards named island, but sure. Nice loophole. <laughs> yeah, tropical island, volcanic island. Oh, God. Island. God, I, God, I hate you so much. <laughs> 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 I mean, I asked for that, to be fair, so I can't be too... Yeah. Cool, so that wasn't the only interesting thing that we got today. We, we also got a... An article uh, about play design called "Play Design Lessons Learned." Yes, where, for, for want of a better term, I guess they they sort of owned up, or, or at least attempted to own up for all the mistakes they've made over the the past year. Trying to explain themselves. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I guess we'll we'll touch on this as well in a bit. But 2019 has continued to just be such a bad year for Magic. Yeah, I I agree. It's it's been a great year in many terms, but. I also think that it is quite possibly the worst year I've experienced as a Magic player. I think it's the worst year I've experienced. <laughs> yeah, it's up there, definitely. <laughs> I think in terms of in terms of Magic community, it's been great. Yeah. I think in terms of Magic cards that have been printed, um, it's been awful. Yeah, strong agree. 
Uh, yeah, so they, they posted a nice article explaining, I guess, the the whole sort of state of, of design, R&D slash play design uh, since Battle for Zendikar going forward. Because I, I feel like Battle for Zendikar was, was kind of like, let's say like the lowest point of set design um, over the past five years, I'd say, uh, with stuff like War of the Spark being like the highest point as far as like power level goes. And yeah, it's interesting. So I think one of the things that really stuck out to me this year was that like like New World Order design philosophy just just seemed to be completely out of the window. I think I was, if you go back and listen to our podcasts or check out any sort of interaction I did on social media prior to War of the Spark being released, I was, I was absolutely adamant that there wouldn't be uncommon planeswalkers that they would have their own their own slots in in a booster pack and you know all of the all of these things which just completely conflict with new world like new world order design philosophy as we know it uh, you know oh they wouldn't happen they wouldn't be a thing this is how magic's designed and I was wrong on every single front and this this article I think is absolutely fantastic in sort of clearing all of that sort of stuff up and they said that. Um, while they were designing Guilds of Ravnica, they, they kind of changed their design philosophy and they, they have this new philosophy now, which they call FIRE, which is F-I-R-E, which is magic should be F, which is fun, I, inviting, R, replayable, and E, exciting. Yes. Sure. Now, do you think magic in 2019 has been all of those things? Uh, I mean, in certain respects yeah i think all of those have been hit throughout the year yeah not all in the same time or to the same amount yeah i agree (laughs) but i think they've succeeded i have felt all of those things about magic this year i think yeah i i I think so too i think if we're looking at it standard sets only then fun i i definitely enjoyed ravnica allegiance that was a lot of fun especially the draft uh, and it was I really liked the like the just the flavour of being back in Ravnica. That was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun with um with I guess Throne of Eldraine, like before it was released, seeing all of like the cool and interesting designs and like the yeah, gingerbread man and, and all of that sort of stuff. That was cool. Uh, inviting, I think like twenty nineteen has probably been the best year to get into magic like since magic was first released like arena has made it so accessible for so many players and new players and i definitely think magic has been inviting this year absolutely yeah replayable like again i think arena comes into that it's very easy to just to play like pick up and play like whenever you want and i i'm completely free to play on arena and have found that i've i i can get in as much magic as, as i want and i've never had to worry about about paying so i find it very easy to replay uh, and exciting it's it's definitely definitely been exciting especially you know although it was full of mistakes like war of the spark seeing 36 planeswalkers was absolutely exciting at the time yeah definitely i mean i have had fun playing magic obviously otherwise yeah. i wouldn't be playing it i have felt i guess invited <laughs> um in Magic, I think, like, especially with the trailers that they've done, like the, the War of the Spark trailer with Liliana and the trailer for Throne of Eldraine, I think that they're very good at enticing people to play the game. You know, like, it seems 
like they've put a lot of work into trying to get people to play this game and trying to get people to continue to play this game and you know a lot of people fall off the train with magic and don't want to play anymore but i think that, that like the opportunities to quit playing magic have been few and far between this year yeah from from that point of view uh it's certainly replayable i think there have been there have been standard formats that are very replayable there have been times in the other formats where they've been very replayable and very very fun I think repli- replayable has really fallen off a cliff in the last what three months or so. Yeah. <laughs> the last three weeks, yeah. Just standard <laughs> has been so unreplayable. You play one game, you're like, I do not want to touch this ever again. Yeah. Um, and exciting. It's only been exciting. Even even when the bad stuff happens, it's still exciting. I mean, we yeah, have a, a like a banished announcement with what like seven cards on it, and it's exciting. You know. Yeah. So. I think they've hit all of those things. I just don't think they've hit them in the correct amounts, the correct ratios, or often enough. Yeah, I I, th- I think I would agree with you there definitely. So yeah, the the go on to explain that that that's the kind of the new de- design philosophy, um, which they've had, I guess, really from Guilds of Ravnica onwards with um, with, I guess, the viewpoint that things were things were a little bit too bad in um, in Battle for Zendikar, and they want to avoid that in the future. So they've. They've called that era sort of BFC to M19 era. Um, and they said that what they wanted to do was they wanted to power up gradually sort of over the course of the year. And afterwards, they're going to level off standard at a power level somewhere in the range of standard circa return to Ravnica and Theros. Uh, and they want to sort of, you know, tune that standard format power level, get it up. And they're finding that a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, like the, the commons and uncommons were, were really sort of underpowered and, I think we've definitely seen an improvement in that. And then the other thing they wanted to do was expand back into riskier space for constructed that they previously engaged with, but had shied away from. Uh, so they wanted to print more or sort of design more low cost planeswalkers, color hate and open-ended combo cards. Cause that was a few things which they'd sort of shied away for in, in the past, past few years. And I think they've, I think they've definitely learned some, some lessons from that bit in particular. I mean, they've. I think for all of the problems that, that 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 line of thinking has created, there's still been some good examples of that. Like I think, yeah, absolutely. The other color hate cards are very good. Yeah. Like I think not just grasp and um, Aethergust. Is that the card I'm thinking of? Yeah. With the moose, fl- yeah. the moose flying away. That is. That's yeah. the card. I can, well, I can't, it's a very standard playable card where it was up until today so I don't know why I couldn't think of that I think they're very good examples of hate cards I like those a lot um, like, again like in the same thing with their like whole um, fire acronym I think there have been points where all of those have been met those criteria have been met and they've done a good job they've just been massively overshadowed by literally everything else going on in every other format you know yeah which is, is, a, is a shame yeah definitely and they, they even say in the article that they've as they've shifted into the fire philosophy, they've seen and they've learned a lot, and uh, they they do sort of own up that three mana planeswalkers are kind of riskier space than they were giving them credit for, and they said you know even then they were giving them a lot of credit, and they're happy to see cards that like like Domri and Arc of Bolas and and Gideon Blackblade seeing the amount of play that they'd expected, but they were uh, they said they've. They've seen several invalidating large swaps of cards like Teferi Time Raveler, Oko Thief of Crowns, Narset. That they, they thought were they were they were just pushed a bit too far, a bit bit too far. 
and they've been leaning too hard on planeswalkers' abilities to be attacked and much less reliable. And how much, sorry, and how much less reliable that counterplay is on three mana planeswalkers. Yeah, I I like in in that sort of paragraph they're talking about three mana walkers. They're talking about like, um, yeah, like for example, to very time ravel invalidates most instants, and Oko Thief of Crowns invalidates most permanents. Um, yeah, <laughs> which is good. Um, but like, I mean, first of all, one of those you've mentioned just just got banned. Yeah. Um, the other one is a contentious point in the Magic community in terms of you know it being too good, or at least as we've said, or at least at least I've said on this podcast several times, completely unfun and sort of ruins play patterns. Um, and then they go on to say, um, we'll likely continue to making three mana planeswalkers. Just don't. <laughs> Just stop. <laughs> like I think what you could have done is like printed one and see how it went and see if it was too good. So you print Domri, you're like, oh, well, that was moderately playable in Gruel Aggro decks. We'll, we'll try another one. You make Gideon Blackblade. You're like, oh, okay, yeah. well, this is um, less powerful than we wanted, but it's still a cool design, so it's still, still seeing some play. And then you make Teferi, you're like, Jesus, we should stop doing this. Please, no. They have said that we'll continue making three mana planeswalkers, but they've also said, but sparingly, carefully, and with the question, if this planeswalker is strong, what could push it out of the environment at the fourth the conversation which is it's something that they should have been doing all along like they really should have like as, as like since i've been saying since kaladesh put pithing needle in the format <laughs> if you're gonna have planeswalkers this is the thing like, what i don't understand is that like were they not being careful before because i understand sparingly like they wanted to put a load of three mana walkers into standard for some reason and sure i can understand if that's what you <laughs> yeah. want to do then fine but were you not doing it carefully before did you just slap some abilities onto fairy and oko and just be like oh this will probably be fine like, because that's that's the way that sentence reads to me. Oh, in the future we'll be careful about it. So you were just like aiming to break the format, or just didn't care if you broke the format with these planeswalkers before? Because that's how it sounds. Uh, yeah, I, I I generally think that might be the case. I think if you look at like the next paragraph in in that that article, they talk about um well they say the further we deviate from the basic four and five mana planeswalker loyalty schemes that we've explored many times now the more careful we need to be about rechecking our assumptions about how they impact the game. Yeah, had you not thought of so, that, yeah. had that thought not crossed your mind up until now where you've printed at least three broken three mana planeswalkers? Yeah, no, I, I think that 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 point specifically is admission that, that no, they they got it wrong and they didn't consider it enough. And yeah, I, which I like. I, I think that they just, it, it's just that thing again, like they, they need to print more answers to the powerful cards. Yes, but they need to print them in a way where the answers themselves don't just become too powerful, like you know, Veil of Summer. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's part of the problem. I mean, I think like a white card that's like a single white for a sorcery that says destroy target planeswalker with convert mana cost three or less is perfectly reasonable. Yeah, I think that's yeah. fine. Um, it's a fine thing because then you have to be playing white, and white needs some help in a lot of formats. Um, and it's restricted to three mana, so if you just stop printing busted three mana planeswalkers. Yeah, yeah, I definitely. think that's fine. Um, something like something like that, you know, like give us a card rather than having to like main deck noxious grasps and 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 what have you. But I just I find it kind of I, I mean like like I said like I I like that they've said this and like they've come out and been like okay we we made some uh, some mistakes here's our reasoning before it for it and we we're, we're pledging to do better in the future so these mistakes don't happen as often which is great and I like that but. I mean, I can't believe that they just didn't think about it beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> Being like, oh, this will probably be fine. But like, they weren't even thinking this will probably be fine. They were like, oh, well, we just won't care about this. 
That's the way that they've made it sound in this in this article. Yeah, definitely. So we'll make this yeah. Oko three mana, and then we'll give him two plus abilities, one of which puts it to six slowly, and you know gains your life. And one of it, it just like even if you're just using it proactively to make creatures who attack with, is just yeah. obnoxious. Well, like what? <laughs> well, that, that's that's what they were. So there was a stream with um, uh, Melissa Del Toro and Paul Chion, mm-hmm. where they were, they were streaming Arena, and they were talking about um, sort of play design of Eldraine. They were talking about Oko specifically. No saying that, like during testing, all anybody ever did was make a food and then make that food into an elk. They, like nobody used it to turn their opponent's stuff into elks. Yeah, I, I saw that and we're just like, okay, great. So I understand you don't get you know chance to, you know, formats don't get broken by R and D. They get broken by by people playing the game on a regular basis and tournament grinders and whatever. Yeah. Um, and I can see them missing stuff, but missing that when it specifically says target. Um, artifact or creature, not target artifact or creature you control. Like on a mythic planeswalker that's meant to be like the face of the set, like missing that specifically. Just yeah. at some point, someone must have gone, I'll turn off your thing by turning it into a 3 3. Right? Like someone must have done that. Yeah, you'd assume so. Like at least gone, oh, like turn your turn your Kefnet into an elk. Yeah, they must have done Like at some point, someone must have done that. Yeah. Um, I, just, I, I thought that was quite funny. I mean, but again, like I'm, I'm glad that they came out and said that, being like, "Oh, sorry, we messed up." Because I said I, last week, a couple of weeks ago, just when, when we were talking about like they need to ban Oko, um, yeah, like I like that. I like that admission of like, "Oh, okay, we got some stuff wrong. Sorry, we're just going to remove it from the format." And I like that rather than like just continuing and like something similar, like with Hogag, which is what it kind of felt like, where it was just a month of like, "We're not really going to discuss this. <laughs> we're going to ban the yeah. other cards because we don't want to ban the card that was clearly an egregious mistake." Um, whereas this one, it's just been like, okay, we're just going to ban Oko. We're sorry. And here's a bunch of reasons why we missed it, how magic is evolving, how magic is changing, and and how we plan not to do that in the future because we, we messed up. And I like that. Like, I think that's a great, yeah. that's a great look for Watsi, specifically. I, I love it. This is, this is all I've wanted from Wizards of the Coast for like the past 12 months, is just specifically this article. They should do this every time they release... Um, like a set or, and, and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know what, like how often you do it, but they should do this regularly. Just being like, here's a look into what we do. Well, that's it. Like they, they do the um, like the like the design and magic and like the handoff articles and stuff. Like whenever they do, like like the making magic articles as well. Like whenever they do release a set. So like there is there is sort of like you know what goes on behind the scenes looks there like frequently, but nothing like this where they just kind of come out and, and sort of say hey this is this is this is the philosophy of design this is what we want this is what we think because that that's that, that's the thing which i feel like has caused so many problems for, for me over this past year has been like they're printing this but they're saying this or they're printing this but they're not saying anything at all like what is their intention we 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 don't know. We can see what the the design notes are, but what is their intention when they do when they're doing this? And I think this this clearly outlines what they want standard to be, and you know they they sort of own up to their mistakes. And yeah, I, I think this this article is just everything I wanted from Wizards of the Coast in twenty nineteen. Yeah, it's great. I mean, we we said before, like um, quite a while ago now, when we were talking about modern and about what we they wanted modern to be. 
what I mean, we still don't know at this point because <laughs> a lot of things have been happening yeah. in modern. Um, um, modern, modern is the new legacy. Like we know this now. Yeah, absolutely. But like this thing, we we didn't know. We were, we were like, okay, well, you're doing so, you're printing stuff in Modern Horizons, and then like not banning anything, and like not rediscussing the format, and then not supporting it, and then suddenly supporting it again. Like we don't know what you want this format to be. Is it meant to be like a turn three, turn four format? Where you can't blow out? Was it meant to be like a battle cruiser grindy thing where you just play powerful cards, but they're all kind of fair? Like we didn't know that, and then now we do, I guess, through their actions rather than their words. But having this, like, their, what they want to do about standard specifically, is great. Um, yeah, and it's something we've, we've we've asked for in specific on this podcast a couple of times. So that's nice. It's nice to be ahead of the curve, I guess. Yeah, or a thank you to whoever is up listens to the coast who listens to this and gives us exactly what we want every week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. They definitely listen to this podcast 100%. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to hit on this article specifically? Uh, no, I'm just, just very glad it's here. Um, and yeah, it makes me makes me feel good about Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, absolutely. Is, I feel like it's, like it's been a, a, a bit of a rarity recently and one of those things like they keep making so many mistakes and consumer confidence can only fall so far and i think this this makes me feel very positive this coupled with the bands makes me feel fantastic about going into uh, magic in 2020 yeah like my 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 god (laughs) my confidence as a consumer specifically has like skyrocketed with the with this and like you said like coupled with the ban announcement it's great I have a lot of faith in Wizards to just keep trying to push the envelope, keep trying to see how broken they can make things. And just, back, like, I don't mind that. Because, I mean, if you're paying attention, you know what's, you know, on the edge of getting banned in pretty much every format. You have a general idea, especially if you're, like, watching Mythic Championships and, you know, consuming content, or you're just on Twitter in general, you have a vague idea. So, like, I like the idea of them just pushing stuff as far as they can and then being like, okay, sorry, we made a mistake. Here's an explanation we're not going to do that specifically again. I yeah. wish they'd learn that with free spells. <laughs> yeah, definitely. There, are, there has definitely you know one or two cards that I, I just wish were never printed, and we, you know, unfortunately, we can't go back now. But yep. I, I, I definitely would love to see more articles like this in the future. Like even when things are good, just saying like, oh, "This is what we were going for with the power level of this set," or "Oh, we were worried about." this card or this strategy being invalidated by the power of this or yeah even if even if we have we have like i don't know like two of these a year would be fantastic i think like one in the summer one in the winter when they just talk about their plans and yeah it's just it's just great i like it i really like this and i'd love to see more articles like this from wizards yeah absolutely absolutely cool is that all you uh all you have to say on this on this yeah topic? i think so excellent Great. So, I mean, we, it wouldn't be this podcast without us complaining about something, right? Absolutely. And I guess me specifically just going on a rant for 15 minutes that makes a lot of sense, and that doesn't make a lot of sense, and then when I come to edit it, I have to cringe about what I've said. <laughs> Which only happened last week, because I don't think I got my thoughts out particularly as I wanted last week. Um, but, in that vein, this week, last week, some point uh, in recent memory, the new Magic the Gathering War of the Spark novel was released. Yes. Which is entitled um, Magic the Gathering War of the Spark Forsaken. Yes, it is. I'm currently looking at it on Amazon where you can buy it for uh, £6.47 in paperback. I would advise highly against that. Yes, I would massively. I mean, the cover, cover looks great. 
yeah, oh, it does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Magali is is always fantastic. It's incredible. I love it. Um, it looks really, really nice. And I imagine that's where the good stuff stops with this book. Because <laughs> uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure it can be recycled as well. Uh, uh probably. Yeah, but you got to think like you know those inks that are in there. I mean, how how are they manufactured and yeah, all of that stuff. Um, so I don't know. Do you, do you want to do you, do you want to maybe maybe hit this one since I'm sort of uh, often the person that <laughs> goes on long rambling runs? Do you want to do want to explain why this might not be a great oh, novel to buy? Where do we start? Oh God, I don't know. Somewhere you got to pick somewhere, right? I <laughs> I I don't know where to start. I feel like like it just feels like. So I I haven't read the book, but I've I mean I don't intend to. Uh, I've read a a couple of uh, of spoiler filled reviews, which include uh, sort of excerpts from the book and, and paragraphs and highlights and and your analysis of, of bits of bits of text i guess i guess that's what it technically is and it's it just it feels like it's 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 just been written by somebody who's never played magic who's never read a magic story and is just is just being given given a bunch of names given like vague one sentence descriptor about each of the characters and gone there you go write a book yep right when did this right when did this all happen uh, the 12th the 12th of november tuesday the 12th yeah. of november is when this all started to happen right yeah and twitter sort of went into a frenzy um i mean it's, it's been one of my favorite magic twitter days for a quite quite a long time a lot of great stuff was said a lot of like you know jokes were made a lot of memes were created um but yeah like you said like it just feels like people are like oh greg you're a you know new york times best-selling author somehow (laughs) because based on some of the stuff i've read from this book i don't know how that's happened um yeah here's here's vaguely what magic is like here's some names of some characters and apparently no information on you know those characters what you know their backstory what they're like, how they may act in certain situations, what their personality is like. You know, just... I mean, I guess Planeswalker specifically, so... Lorwyn was 2007-ish, yeah. Cool. So here's some characters that have existed and, you know, had we've had a general knowledge of their behaviour for some of them for, you know, 12 years? Yeah. Um, we we know their character. You, you, you know what Chandra and Alara is like, right? You, as a Magic player have a vague idea of how she might react in certain situations, how she may behave, just her general tone of voice, I guess, you you could understand as a magic player, right? Yeah. Apparently Greg doesn't know that. <laughs> no one at Wizards of the Coast decided to inform him of what, what Chandra might be like, what Gideon might be like, what any of these characters might do. Gideon, sorry. I think you mean Gids? <laughs> ah, yes, the decidedly manly. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that one. <laughs> Gids, god damn it. Um, yeah, you might, for example, know the kind of words that Ajani might use as like a... <laughs> that not being one of them. Like, uh, yeah, okay, just like, just get into... Like, w- without spoiling, like, too much. Oh, no, I want to spoil like, it. Do not read this book. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like, it's completely changed reversed and edited the characters of Jace, Vraska, Chandra, Nissa, Liliana, Ajani, Dovenban, and Kaya. 
Yeah, they're just like just they're just not how they have been in in previous magic lore, right? Oh, and Niv Mizzard as well. Oh God, the, the... <laughs> and Ral Zorik and his his last lightning bolts. Oh my God, right? So for anyone that's not familiar with any of this, I guess we're going to have to get specific about the things we're sure, referencing, right? Go for it. So there was a particular the first one the first bit I saw the first um, snippet of the of the novel, which I will do a reading for you now, was <laughs> was this particular bit that I think set everything off and sort of. Set us all against against Greg Weissman. Uh, so it's 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 a para- it's two uh, well technically three paragraphs. And it says Chandra had never been into girls. Her crushes, and she'd had her fair share, were mostly the brawny and in parentheses and decidedly male types like Gids, which means Gideon. Even reading that sentence is so painful. <laughs> it's so awful. Uh, new sentence. But there had always been something about Nissa Ravane specifically. Something the two of them shared in that great chemical mix, arcing between them like one of Ral Zarek's lightning bolts, that had thrilled her from the moment they first met. Now everything's different. It was over before I'd even had a chance, to, ever had a chance to begin. Maybe, maybe they had missed their moment—a time when, if Chandra had demonstrated more courage or more self-possession, she might have told Nissa how she felt. A time when, if Nissa had acknowledged even the slightest hint of interest or self-knowledge, they might have found their way to each other. Now. There's a lot of things to be said about this <laughs> snippet of prose. First of all, I'm pretty sure the editor was asleep. Because yeah. this is <laughs> horrendously constructed prose. And, I, you know, I grew out of my um, grammar and syntax and spelling must be perfect a long time ago. Um, I don't particularly care anymore. If you've seen any of my tweets ever... <laughs> they're, they're often misspelled. I don't use capital letters or punctuation correctly. I put a dash all the time, just because I can't bother to work out whether it should be a semicolon or a comma. Um, I don't particularly care about that, and obviously I'm sure the messages I've sent to you specifically, Joe, <laughs> are just embarrassingly misspelled and just awful. So I stopped caring about that, but if you're um, a New York Times best-selling author um, who's being paid, I imagine, quite a large sum of money to produce this novel for Magic the Gathering, yeah. you should have a vague understanding of how paragraphs and sentences and stories in general should be constructed. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> and some of, some of the, just the sentence, it just, <laughs> what is it? Like there's sentence fragments, there's run on sentences. There's just bits that don't really make that much sense. Um, like the, the, the like the, just the, the, the sentence from the moment they first met is awful. That's not a good sentence. That's not a sentence. That's just a sentence fragment you've just tacked on the end after a full stop for some goddamn reason. And again, why, like, why is first there? Why not just from the moment they met? Yeah, right. Just unnecessary embellishments. Like honestly, like a student who's trying to flesh out an essay by putting words like hence. Yeah, that's how it feels. And like I said, like I don't, if, I don't care about how people type, type and how people speak. As long as you get your point across in, like, in the internet age in 2019, it doesn't matter. As long as you get your point across and get your meaning across, then sure, it doesn't matter. But if you're producing a novel, it's meant to be good prose. It's meant to be readable prose. And just reading that, that, that this snippet is awful. Um, arcing between them like one of Ral's Oaks lightning bolts is the worst simile I've ever read. <laughs> it's just been like, oh, I need to remind everyone that we're, you know playing Magic the Gathering here, and that's a character, and he's fond of lightning. Like, it's just awful. So that all, all of that aside, there's another one that I'll find in a minute that's also just as bad in terms of, like, the sentence structure and the writing, and clearly the editor just didn't read this before it went to print. Yeah, I, I think 
probably the worst one for me was I guess really the one that started it all off. So we had October 22nd, Delray Books tweeted out, Kaya moved toward Liliana, calling out, What are you doing? Liliana's reply was cold as a midnight crypt. <laughs> I'm doing what every necromancer is born to do. I am draining the life force from my enemy. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my God. I'm just like... There's just even that. There's there is so much wrong with that. It's like neither, like if if you knew either of these characters, they would not speak like that at all. No. Like a necromancer isn't born to drain the life force from their enemy. A necromancer doesn't drain the life force from their enemy. That's a vampire. A necromancer raises the dead. Human human beings don't speak that way. Anyone who as speaks as a midnight crypt. <laughs> That's awful. Like, it's yeah. just, that's the thing, it's just like, I don't know whether they're trying to market this towards people that don't play magic, and maybe this is just meant to be like a fantasy novel that people can get into, even if they don't know about stuff about magic, and I'm not inherently against that. I think magic has a rich lore, and it's very engaging and entertaining, and I think, you know, for example, like the, the Magic the Gathering series they're making for Netflix, I'm sure, like, I, I hope that that will be palatable to a lot of people. Not written by Greg Wiseman. I hope to God it won't be written by Greg Wiseman. Jesus Christ. But I hope that'll be palatable to lots of people that don't play magic and it'll just be a good thing that's standalone and then we'll enjoy it because we're really invested in magic, right? Yeah. So maybe that's what they're trying to go for. But Jesus Christ, like yeah. the sentences just reach out and slap you in the face. It's like, oh, I mean, if you... at least it's not like Liliana's reply was as cold as a blast of ice from Will Kenry. <laughs> exactly. But the nice thing is just like, oh, it was, it was cold, like, you know, crypts are, which is where dead people are, which is generally the kind of thing that necromancers interact with. Just like, yeah, we, we know that. We don't need that explanation. Like, explain through a character's actions how they might feel, not <laughs> through just telling her, telling us just exactly, like, in that ham-fisted, metaphorical way. Just like, the similes are so bad. And also, people just don't... <laughs> Like, can you can you read what Liliana says again? Just just her speech. Her reply was as cold as a midnight crypt. <laughs> I'm doing what every necromancer is born to do. I am draining the life force from my enemy. <laughs> just who says that? Who's like Liliana Vess, apparently. But just like he's like, oh, so someone comes to you and like, oh, what are you doing? It's just like, I am cooking a spaghetti bolognese. Like, who speaks like that? Like, that's not yeah. a thing that people say. It's just so bad. And then also just like getting what a necromancer is wrong because apparently you've done no research. Yeah. So this is just a continued thing. Um, I will find. I'm gonna find the other one, uh, the other snippet that everyone was talking about because it's just excellent. Um, I just it just frustrates me so much that they've they've spent years and years cultivating this this massive you know gatewatch arc you've had like multiple writers do fantastic stories over the years you've had you know other writers do not as good stories but they're certainly nowhere near as bad as this and it, it this is meant to be like the high the high point this is the big crescendo this is the ending this is where all of the all of the, the story comes together and you know the gatewatch are triumphant. The you know the bad guys get their comeuppance, and it's it's just it it's just written in a way that that just completely undoes so many great stories that came before it, and is also directly conflicting with with like other media and, and like other like other things like people at Wizards of the Coast are saying like 
at the same time. So you had like, okay, this spoiler alert, if you are going to read this, this trash for whatever reason, please don't. Uh, so when, uh, Chandra's triumph. Yes. Is that the card? Yeah. When Chandra's triumph was, uh, was released, somebody had asked Mark Rosewater, um, on, on Blogatog if Dovin Ban was dead. Uh, given that the, the background of Chandra's Triumph, you see, well, background of all the Triumph cards, you see, uh, you see, you know, something, something being destroyed, or you see sort of a highlight from the War of the Spark story. And in, in Chandra's one, it looks like that's Chandra finally getting one over in Dovin Barn, and he, he's been he's been immolated by a, by her fire in the background. Uh, and I, I believe it was Mark Rosewater specifically stated that, oh no, Dovin isn't dead. He's just been he's been arrested. He's been bound by Chandra's flame. Yep. And then in the book, <laughs> Dovin yeah. dies. Yeah. He gets killed off camera by a minor Demir assassin. <laughs> what a pathetic After way to being go. blinded by Vraska, he then planes walks away. <laughs> planes walks away again so he can't be chased. But oh no, he, he was blind so he can't see that he's actually just planes walk back to Ravnica <sighs> and then just gets killed by some Demir assassin. That's just like such a bad. It's, first of all, like that's just hilarious. And second of all, it's just such a bad, um, a bad representation and a bad understanding of what planes walking is, I guess. Yeah. Just like randomly planes because, oh, he happened to turn up back on Ravnica. Isn't that convenient? <laughs> like, I, oh, that whole bit is just so bad. Yeah, the I mean, if we're we're criticizing his his use of planeswalking. Then he also breaks the fundamental rule of magic law by giving Kaya the ability to transport people to other planes with her while she's planeswalking. Yeah, that can't happen. No. And then you, you know the the decade long chain veil story arc. Yep. You know Liliana's chain veil curse and you know the curse which affects Garruk and this you know this this. This all-powerful artifact, which you know slowly corrupts and, and kills her every time she uses it, but she needs to use it. And I guess it, it was it a decade-long key story arc of, of of modern magic. What happens to the chain veil? Liliana just gives it to Kaya. Yep. There you go. Use this. Yeah. <laughs> you you take this you have this yeah i'm sure it won't have any negative effects on you i'm sure this will be completely fine it's just that's the thing it's just like greg wiseman has has just had like a, a general like a i imagine a piece of a5 <laughs> with brief notes about magic law yeah. like oh the chain is a thing that liliana owns and that's all he's been told like it, it's it's powerful and does magic and he hasn't been told specifically. Yeah, it's powerful like, and does magic and, and has spirits trapped inside of it. Yeah. And he's gone, oh, Kaya, Kaya does ghosts. things with ghosts. Yep. She'll she'll have that and then she'll solve that. That'll be my next book. <laughs> in like, in about three pages, we'll have Kaya, Kaya can kill the people inside the, the chain veil and then and that'll be that. And it's like you literally had 10 years worth of story. Yep. Which could have like, I don't know, like so many opportunities for like real real interesting i don't, I don't know yep it's, it's just it completely bastardized everything that could have been great yeah and you could have got someone like i imagine there are a lot of people who are very into magic law who are also very talented writers you could have got yep. one of them to do it just because it's greg wiseman who's a new york bestseller and invented gargoyles <laughs> strangely um doesn't mean he has to do it and i mean like so so we'll get to more specific i just wanted to bring up one more uh one more quote 
Um, and we'll go into the specific way, why the the theme of this sentence is a problem specifically in a second. But I just want to read out. On Ravnica, in the wake of Gideon's death and Bolus's, they had admitted, admitted to each other that they loved. This is in reference to uh, Chandra and Nyssa. So, yeah. But... <laughs> Uh, a new sentence, but both of them knew deep down they were only speaking platonically. So, so let's draw attention to the, the that sentence, um, or one of the clauses in that sentence being, they had admitted to each other that they loved. Again, the editor just I, I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. Just not that they loved each other, not that they loved one, like, just that they loved. <laughs> it's The way it's written is like, it makes it look like at that point, the writer is talking about Gideon and Nickel Bullets. Yep. <laughs> it's great. Like the way the, the way the punctuation's used, it just it looks like it looks like they're talking about Nickel Bullets and Gideon. They loved. Yep. And Ravnica, in the wake of Gideon's death and Bolus, they admitted to each other that they loved each other, Gideon and Bolus. Yeah. It's nice of them to use Gideon's full name instead of just Gids. That's cool. <laughs> Gee, a bit like like so. This is referencing like uh, Chandra and Nissa. Like, yeah. how do you leave that in? They loved what? What did they love? They love something. It's just so poorly, poorly written, poorly ed- edited. I mean, I don't want to, you know, have a go at the editors because, but they appear to have made some mistakes and just not picked up on stuff like this. And then just like the amount of se- sentences starting with "but" for no reason. Like there was one in the last bit that I read, and then this 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 bit has a sentence, but both of them knew. Like it's just poor, really poor writing, really poor prose. Really poorly put together, uh, a real poor understanding of magic law, and then it's getting to the point where, like, I guess we move on to the bit where people were actually very angry about th- these two bits that I've read, read out specifically regarding Chandra and Nissa. Yeah, it's like it's been, it's like canon within magic law that Nissa and Chandra are in some kind of romantic relationship, right? Yeah, at the very least, they have non. I was going to say non-platonic feelings, but technically their their feelings were only ever platonic. Now. <laughs> this is yeah. Just gentle side note: we're just ignoring everyone that cares about magic and magic law in any kind of way is just ignoring this novel, and this isn't canon in any kind of way. Wolf the Spark Forsaken is not canon. Pass it on. Absolutely not. Um, there's no way. But yeah, so it, it's been, it's been generally accepted that Chandra and this are, are, are in a relationship of some yeah. of some kind, not like maybe not a serious one, but there are romantic feelings there between the two. Um, and that first bit I read out where just like the first sentence is Chandra had never been into girls, which is just plainly false. Yeah, like Chandra is canonically a bisexual character, so that's just not true. And then like this weird sort of gross her crushes, and she'd had her fair few, like, ugh. and they were mostly brawny and decidedly male, like the the <laughs> the little claws in the little parentheses and decidedly male, decidedly male, yeah, it's <laughs> just like the grossest thing I've read in quite some time. <laughs> and it's like, she fancies Gids? What? Since when does she, like, have a thing for Gideon? Uh, Kaladesh story. Oh, did she? Yeah. Oh, at least you got that yeah, right. Her and, her and Gideon get very close during the Kaladesh story. It, It's... Uh, even then, like, I don't know how, like, romantic it yeah, is. I think it was meant it's, to be. It's definitely not, like, in the same way that Chandra and Nyssa is. Absolutely not. I think they were just meant to be friends. No, like close compatriots. I, I think even like probably more so than that. But I, I think it's. I mean, I'd have to go back and reread the stories. But as, as far as I remember, it was it was almost it, there was definitely like a 
a love for want of a better term yeah. there but it was more sort of like a you know like an older protective brother and and, and you know his, his younger sister now is that the kind of love between um gideon and bolus or the love between you and some chalk <laughs> they loved <laughs> they did they loved <laughs> they loved something you don't know who that was but yeah it's just like overwriting all this this canon and just like you know, I think Wizards of the Coast and, and, and people that work with magic have done a lot to increase representation in, in, in law or in cards or just generally in, in the things that they do or or say. And this is just completely rewriting that for no conceivable reason. And just to do it in such a ham-fisted way. Like, she is into men, and particularly manly ones. Like, Christ. It's just the, the workings of a weird white dude who doesn't know anything about magic and people got very angry about that and then again the the one i've um the other one i read where the sentence doesn't make sense Uh, but both of them knew deep down they're speaking only speaking platonically like they 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 didn't know that (laughs) that's not how those characters behave that's not true of those characters that's those characters characters like part of part of chandra's character is that she's canonically bisexual and is interested romantically in nissa and then nissa also reciprocates those feelings yeah that she's just you know she's a red mage through and through she's wild and impulsive yeah she's not decidedly anything yep and even if those things weren't true just being like even if like that stuff between chandra and Nissa wasn't a known thing or wasn't like was just sort of invented by fans for something nice just so just so bluntly crap on that it's like nope she is a heterosexual woman like okay great what's the point in that that has no necessity that doesn't add to the story in any any way like at all, right? Just like to point out that one of your main characters is straight. Like, cool. So's everyone else. Like, you don't you, you don't need to just randomly put that in there and just detract from the diversity of your storytelling. It's such an awful, awful thing to put in there, and for the sentences to be so bad. Yeah. And just I've just been reminded of arcing between them like one of Ralph Eric's lightning bolts. It's just awful. Just. I just yeah. don't. I just. It, yeah, it's just very upsetting. It's like that. That reminds me of like those like awful bits in Family Guy when they would be like, "Oh, hey, this is like that thing," and then it cuts to that thing. It's like that, but yeah, in, yeah. In this is the the Family Guy of Magic Law. It is a hundred percent the Family Guy of Magic Law. Um, uh, I really don't want to get into my feelings about Family Guy. But I think one of the one of the biggest problems in terms of a piece of entertainment of Family Guy is that just it thinks it's funny to be like, this is like that thing and then showing that thing. And yeah. like it's such a poor storytelling device. And when you're like uh, Liliana was cold like a crypt and this is like Ral Zarek because he does the lightning. Like it's just awful storytelling. How has this person yeah. been been um awarded New York Times bestseller if this is the caliber of work that he's producing and i'm not as good a writer as that i mean i may <laughs> have a degree in debatable <laughs> I, may, I may have a degree in english literature and creative writing for some reason and i think this is why i pick apart so much but i'm not as good a writer as like i'm not as successful a writer as greg weissman is yeah. i'm not i mean i'm technically qualified to comment on this but i'm not like properly qualified to comment on this and i'm not just doing this to just like be picky about someone's work but it's like this person has been paid a lot of money <laughs> And it's been called a bestseller to produce this, and it's just awful. It's just bad. 
And like you said, like with the confusing sentence structure of that, it, it sounds like Gideon and Polus loved each other. It and does. just in that, just that sent on Ravnica in the wake of the de- of Gideon's death and Bolus's, they had admitted to each other that they loved. Even if you excuse the fact that it doesn't say what they loved, that's just an awful structure for a sentence. Yeah. You don't have to start with on Ravnica. We know where we are. We we know what's happening, right? We the, the, in the wake of Gideon's death and Bolus's, not the death of Gideon and Bolus, which is what you could have said in that situation. It would have sounded a lot less clumsy. Everything is wrong with this entire novel. Uh, if you want to read it, because I guess we're going to have to base future magic lore on this novel, then sure, but please don't. At, at least pirate it or something. Don't. Don't let this be a success. Yeah, just, I mean, certainly don't buy it. I would like to give a shout out to the three people that have reviewed it one star on Amazon already, which is great. Oh, there's, there's yeah. I, I was looking at... Oh, no, no. There's, there's way more than three. Sorry. Yeah, I think it's got like 63 reviews. Yep. And it's at like two and a half stars or something. Uh, one and a half stars currently. One and a half. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> which is which is great. Um, it's just, yeah, people just saying how bad it is. It's great. Um, it's hilariously bad. It's upsettingly bad in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. Uh, in that, you know, it chooses to rewrite, you know, a part of... Um, a queer part of magic law, which was which would have been nice to keep around, um, and it's just just a man writing women very very poorly. Um, yeah, a man it's writing like, fiction poorly in general. For every reason that it could be bad, it is bad. It's I'm I, I'm I'm personally just really really pissed off at the the way they've decided to just like end the story. These. You know, going back to the chain veil, in in some cases, decade long story arcs, just ends so just it's like such an anticlimactic way. It's 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 not right. It's not right that this that you know, Wizards of the Coast will consider this magic law and will base the products that they then develop on this. Like, give me Magic Origins two already. I want to rewrite this law? Absolutely. But I mean, this is the thing. It's like especially when they stepped away from like releasing regular content online for free and there were problems with that law and that writing and we we released a whole episode talking about how very bad the dominaria law yeah. was but it was free it was written yep. by someone who understood the characterization of of um planeswalkers and and characters yep. in magic who understood how magic works who understood the plane of dominaria but it just wasn't engaging or a particularly good plot but the writing yep. was fine and the understanding of how magic worked was great. And that was, I'd much, I'd take that any day of the week, just like kind of boring, but well-constructed, informed prose is much better than this absolute trash written by someone who's got a big name. Yeah. And I wish we'd go back to that. And also like having to pay like money for this absolute atrocity is just, (laughs) just slap in the face to people. And like so many of the writers, we had some really, really good lore. Like, like the Arrow Devastation story was genuinely incredibly moving and incredibly well written and, and really, really good. So the the whole of the Ixalan story, yep. which now essentially didn't happen because Jason Vraska, none of that happens in the uh, in the War of the Spark novels at all. Oh, of course, they aren't together in War of the Spark Forsaken, and that was one of the best bits about the Ixalan story was the relationship yeah. between Jason Vraska and all of that stuff happening, and that was great as well because it, it it really well characterised Vraska. And it made Jace sound like a bit of a knob, but Jace is kind of a knob. 
Uh, but that's the thing, you just you come away from this like and surely you didn't make any money off it, but you made a lot of people very happy and, and engaged in in the in the story. Yeah, like specifically in that story where you have like Jace go, Oh well, I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna here's the plan. I'm gonna erase your memories, but you know, this is implanted in your brain, so when you see me, I can give you the code word or whatever, or trigger whatever it is in your brain to make all the memories come back and you'll know and then, you know, once this is all over we can we can meet at the bookshop and have tea and mm-hmm. it'll be all nice. And absolutely none of that happens in either of the War of the Spark books written by Greg Wiseman. It's it's like it's like he hasn't read anything. He hasn't. I guarantee he hasn't. He yeah. doesn't know. He's also, based on the stuff that I've read of his work, he appears to just be kind of a sexist idiot. Yeah, he's so I, I haven't read any of his stuff, but I've, I mean... I, I I don't really remember much of it, but I'm sure I enjoyed Cargoyles as a youth. Um, mm, the same. spectacular Spider-Man cartoon is very good, and I know he's he's lead writer on that. Uh, and Young Justice isn't something that I've seen, but is, is apparently loved by a lot of people. So I'm sure it is. I'm just, you, you, you just just stick to that. Stick to your cartoons, and yeah, but please, I just I just don't want them to. I really do not want Greg Weisman to write anything for Wizards of the Coast again after this. Absolutely not. But I mean, like, this thing like magic for a while has pushed women as its central main characters, or at least its most important characters in their stories that they exist in. Yeah, like Nissa Chandra, like Liliana has been essentially the main character of magic for like mid for like, ten, ten years. Exactly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> and Nissa and Chandra have been incredibly integral parts, and very important, and very much at the forefront. People like. Uh, Hotley and Samut have had engaging stories are written about them. Um, very powerful women characters. Vraska was a very important part of, part of Ixlan and is, yeah. you know, had a very important role on Ravnica and like they've been put to the forefront. And then you get in this guy who doesn't appear to either know how to write women or like women very much to write, rewrite these characters and just changes their changes their identities, makes Chandra some boy loving idiot who doesn't have any of the depth of her character. <laughs> making Liliana just like not how she's characterized in any kind of way and dumbing her down. Um, oh, I hate, I hate it so much. And then just like, like literally flip flopping on Vraska. Yeah. Like yeah. Vraska's entire story just changes. Like it's, I, I am sure, like I'm sure he's also rewritten some men parts, but it's, it's, it's interesting to understand like how these women have been changed in the story. I just Christ, <laughs> Christ is bad. I'm, I didn't want to talk about it this long, but I'm glad we did. I think this content is good. Yeah, I feel like I needed to to get it. This was cathartic. It, absolutely. Jesus Christ, it's so bad. It's so bad. You know, like, on literally every level. Why? Like, it just, just does not understand character motivations at all in the slightest. No. Like, why, why would Liliana give the chain veil away? For what reason? For, like, literally. Here, here's, you know, here's the big old magic MacGuffin that's been at the centre of the story for the past ten years. That you know, quite possibly might be tied to the Raven Man in some way that possibly, probably has links to Bolas coming back eventually that has like so many other just explored ideas within magic that 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 could have happened that just, no, I'm just going to give it away. Yep. Yep. We'll just do that because that, you know. There's also the bit, sorry, just to bring, to bring up even more, was the, uh, so obviously a couple of them each get tossed to go track down the villains, the remaining villains, and you know kill them essentially. Um, 
you know, Ral Zarek goes and hunts down Tezzeret. He finds Tezzeret, and Tezzeret, you know, obviously the two of them did have a, have a alliance under Bolas. They were both working for Bolas, and they they talk it out, and Tezzeret goes, well, I'll give you my arm. I'll give you my robotic arm, so you can go and give that to Niv-Mizzet and go, look, I've killed him. Here's the proof. So they decide, okay, that that's what that's what will happen. We'll do that. So Ral planes walks back to Niv-Mizzet, Shows him the arm, goes, look, I killed him. Here is arm. Here's his arm. Actually, no, I lied. He's still alive. Unprompted, just goes, oh, no, <laughs> it's all a ruse. <laughs> it's all a ruse. <laughs> well, no, he, I'm sure I'm sure that's not the that's not the phrase that's used at all, because well, how could Greg Wiseman come up with, with something as eloquent as that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, oh, clearly. It's probably like, oh, and... Oh wait, no, Niv Mizzet, I have lied, just like how Liliana, the necromancer, lied to Jace that one time back on Innistrad, which is a plane within magic. <laughs> Lying as if, uh, uh, as in deceiving someone of the truth, not in terms of being horizontal. Like <laughs> if that's the level of prose we're working with here. I just yeah. don't. I don't. It, and again, I would not say this about random writing, and I don't think it's important to construct your sentences properly or use correct grammar or syntax or not start your sentences with but unless it is correct to do so. Unless you're Greg Weissman, who is a New York Times bestseller. Like, it doesn't matter. My look, Go look at my tweets. They're awful. <laughs> I can't type. I have to delete every tweet I ever post because there's a misspelling or, like, just it's just awful and doesn't make any sense. I don't use capital letters. I don't use punctuation correctly. Um... But he should. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Right, I think that's enough of that, isn't it? And yeah, we've we've had, our, had our time to whine agreed. and moan. That was, I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, so I think that is about all we have time for this week. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us and tell us about your feelings on the magic story, or tell us about the bands, come celebrate with us. Tell us how great it is that Oko is finally gone. You can hit us up on social media. On Twitter, we are at HFDcast facebook.com slash hrfdcast or you can find us on patreon at patreon.com slash our devastation if you've enjoyed anything you've heard today and want to contribute in any way uh, tiers start as little as one dollar per month that's roughly 20 to 25 cents per episode you'd also help us out by giving us a review on itunes or spotify or just sharing the podcast with your friends if you enjoyed it well you stole my bit you can you can add to that. Yeah, you can you can find the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or SoundCloud or YouTube when I eventually get around to uploading them. Um, and yes, please subscribe there where you can. Please like the the episodes there where you can, or comment on them, or leave a review of any kind, or feel free to share them on social media or with your friends because um, that really helps out a lot. Thank you very much. Yeah, if you want to find me on my own personal social media. I am at Beach Garden Oaf on Twitter. That's Oaf with an F. Or Facebook, you can find me. I'm Joe Loudon. I'm in pretty much any of the magic groups. Uh, probably just celebrating how great it is that, that Oko's gone. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter uh, at Snail69. Nice. Where, where I will, I guess, continue to be documenting my um, experiences with, with Maverick and what I'm doing with it. Um, and advising you on what UK political party you should be voting for. And I imagine continuing to mock the writing of, of Greg Weissman specifically. <laughs> awesome. So once again, we're approaching the second hour. The Godfarer has returned. So we'll see you again next week on Arrow Devastation. Devastation.